Welcome back to the Cowgirl Hour. We have decided to release another episode a little bit ahead of schedule because this topic is pretty pertinent right now and APHA is actually getting together on Thursday to vote on this rule change and we wanted to make sure our voices and your voices were heard before that took place. So I hope you enjoy this second episode of the Cowgirl Hour. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the Cowgirl Hour. Where we demystify the ups, downs, and rounds and rounds of being a cowgirl. We're your hosts, Emily. And Esperanza. Let's get started. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about a proposed rule change to the American Paint Horse Association that says amateurs would be able to be sponsored. But first, on this inaugural episode of the Cowgirl Hour, we want to introduce ourselves and tell you why we're here. Hey, I'm Esperanza, and I ride in the walk trot division all around. I have been riding for 40 years, and I've been showing for a year. This is actually going to be my second year on the breed circuit. Uh, doing the pleasure. Super excited about it. I have two horses, Never Doubt a Cowboy, aka Uno, and Norfleet's Lil Shadow, also known as Jaxie Baby. Hi, I'm Emily, and I have been showing on the APHA circuit for the better part of two decades, and I show in the amateur all-around events on my horse, The Perfect Machine, Bentley, and hopefully this year on my horse, Little Miss Mabel. So we started the Cowgirl Hour because we felt like we wanted to have a space to talk about all of the questions that we get on Instagram and in real life about our experiences showing horses in APHA and AQHA. So funny story, Esperanza and I met over Instagram. She actually had reached out to me and wanted to meet for coffee. She was coming to Bend and she wanted to pick my brain about what it was like showing on the APHA circuit. So fast forward, Emily and I ended up being in the same training program for about 18 months. So from mid-June 20 to the end of 2021, we spent pretty much like 10, 15 hours a week together, riding, training, um, working out, having drinks, having dinner, um, and showing. We've driven all over the country, um, hung out in Vegas and in Texas, um, showing our horses. And we developed a real banter around some of the issues that were coming up in the horse world and felt like maybe a cowgirl hour was needed for us to share our riveting thoughts with the rest of the equestrian community. And so the cowgirl hour was born. All right, so let's get into today's episode. Esperanza, what is the proposed rule change? So I'm looking at a document called Rule Book Change Resolutions to be considered at 2022 convention for inclusion in the 2023 APH rule book. That means what we're going to read, if it passes, will go into effect in 2023. And we are super curious about rule AM-010-2. And the summary says allow amateurs to benefit from their name, image, and likeness by receiving products or service endorsements without losing their amateur eligibility. This specific rule proposal change has got the internet in an uproar. Mm -hmm. There has been a lot of conversation about it, and it seems to be pretty split of whether amateurs or open are for or against it. And as amateurs ourselves, this does affect us. Absolutely. So, um... 
I mean, I think when I saw this for the first time, it came up as a rule change and people were like really getting wild style on the Facebooks around it. You know, it's interesting because all of this time that I've been showing um, for the last year and a half, I have been offered opportunities to work with brands who really align with my values, um, to sort of like have products or services that, you know, are, are speak to who they are and speak to who I am as a writer and as a woman. Um, and as a black woman who does the showing, but I've been afraid to like even be in conversations with them because I don't want to lose my amateur status. I've only been showing for one year, like losing my amateur status isn't even an option. I could never, I'm not a pro. Um, and so it's been really interesting to think about like who this helps and who this hurts. Like who is this real change really for, for? Yeah, that's true. And I know that a lot of, I think trainers have spoken on this mm -hmm. and they feel from what I've read in the comments that that takes away from being a trainer and the time and energy that it took to get to that level. And if these sponsorships are being offered to amateurs, what does that mean for them? What's the perk of being an open necessarily? And the amateurs have been like, what they've been saying, what does it hurt? If there's no real money, if they're not really training, that seems to be the most common comment on this proposal is if there's no money being exchanged for training a horse then you're not a trainer absolutely i mean for me i mean i think one of the things i like to or i want to remind people is just this is an expensive sport and amateurs have to pay their way trainers are getting paid for their hotels are getting paid for by clients their entry fees are paid for and they they do their work i mean trainers are working real hard and and they there are a lot of sponsored trainers that that come they have their shirts and their sponsorships and their saddles and whatever i guess i feel like there's enough pie for everybody um and for me, I think we were talking about this earlier, like in an industry, especially like us in the paint horse world, where we are actually showing performance horses. So Western pleasure, horsemanship, showmanship, really in a time when it's all about the cow horse, it's all about reigning. Like our stuff is pretty, is not as popular as it once was. Being able to work with brands to expand the audience of people who are watching or interested in our industry, like that's a win for everybody. Exactly. Like you're discounting the average amateur mm -hmm. that might know their neighbor who isn't even in the horse industry that wants to take part in their journey. Mm -hmm. And with that, you don't know how many other doors it could unlock for future participants in the industry. I mean, I think what's really fascinating is that more people haven't done it already. I mean, a lot of people right now, the current rule we were just talking about, like does make some space for people to take products. But, you know, there's a lot of conversation in our sector among amateurs about how expensive it is to show and giving people an opportunity to bring in some extra money so that they can continue to show at the level we show at, at the world show. You know what, we go to a show a month minimally, um, about nine months out of the year. So we're doing between nine and 12 shows a year, depending on where you live. Like for people to get an extra hundred bucks or 300 bucks or have a saddle or whatever grain for their horse, like all of that adds up. And in an industry that is increasingly obsolete because of money, because people don't have the same kind of resource to, to participate, it feels like such a smart move for association, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I mean, well, it begs the question, for those that are opposed to it, I would like to know, why does taking a bag of grain or why does taking a show pad 
any product or posting in exchange for a couple hundred dollars, whatever it is, about a brand that you already probably use and love, why does that make you a professional? Just because you're saying, hey, I support this brand, I use this product, let me tell you about it. Right. And also, let's me go to these horse shows where I'm using this product probably more. Why does that make you a trainer? Well, that's the thing, because ultimately the difference between someone who's an amateur and a professional is your ability to take money to train horses and or clients and to show at that level. Um, and that's like a real expertise. I don't want to take anything away from trainers. Trainers are amazing. Right. Like they've worked hard. They, they have businesses and they're business people. But I, I will say my experience on the Instagrams at least and, and on the social medias is that trainers are trainers. They don't have time to be out here propping up brands and doing this and that. They, they don't do that. They wear their shirts. They wear their patches. They use their products at the shows. Um, and I'm sure that it holds some cachet, but mostly it's just helping them to to kind of be be at the shows and kind of showing that they're a part of that brand. I think the kinds of brands, when I think about this rule change, the kind of brands that I think people are talking about, you know, it's not the big, big top of the line equine brands. It's the, you know, it's the, it's the equestrian clothing company. Yeah, that's just it's started. The, that just started. Yeah, it's the, you know, it's the grain company in your town that is milling some mm -hmm. special grain, you know, it's, it's your, it's your fairy or your vet or something. And that kind of community investment into equestrians right. is like, so it's meaningful and it's meaningful to our industry. Um, and it doesn't take, I don't, I don't think it takes anything really away from trainers and, and, and we're not, and I think it just continues to be true. We're not the same. Like trainers are trainers. They train, they coach, you know, and, and some of us are, are brand ambassadors and we would do well both for the brand and for, again, like bringing more people into our sport and into our particular division. Um, it's important. Like people don't know, don't know or care about Western pleasure in the same way they used to. And so to have more brands and have more people who have their eyes on the sport, I don't know. It just seems like good business, you know? Right. Like, let's take a bird's eye view. Mm -hmm. What's APHA's objective? Get more people in this association. How do you do that? By raising awareness. How do you do that? Bringing people that would maybe not otherwise do it here. How do you do that? Adding the financial incentive, probably. I mean, there's no question. You know, when we think about these brands, too, and like, or just like think about the World Show, for example, um, often, you know, we know that it's sponsored by like Mars, Cinch, they're like these big brands who are there and you know, they're times like people that we know and love. We love those brands. We use those brands. Um, and they have, they have swag and all kinds of stuff. And they're, they're really holding up the whole event as sponsors. Imagine if amateurs could add to what associations could get by bringing smaller brands. Maybe they can't sponsor at that huge level, but a bunch of smaller brands sponsoring at a lower level just helps the association have the resources it needs to be able to hold shows that are more available, more open, kind of, you know, more available for people to engage with in a new way. What would be the negative here? I mean, if we allowed, or if APHA allowed amateurs to take product and services and money for supporting these brands, what would that mean? What's the negative to doing this? that trainers potentially don't get those sponsorships. It's not competitive. That's that not sounds like a scarcity mindset yeah. to start with because those trainers probably aren't getting that brand to start with. Right. And also brands 
have a lot of different athletes that they support. That's just spreading the wealth. I mean, I think it's an interesting question about, you know, do, do professional trainers lose anything? And, um, I mean, I would, I would say no. I would say in general, though, even if an individual trainer were to quote unquote lose something, I think there's a bigger question here about our industry and about our association. Paint horses, even American Quarter Horses, you know, our associations are not getting bigger. They're getting smaller, smaller. Our spaces are harder to get into. They're harder to compete in. It's hard to find a trainer to even be able to, to, to train at this level, to show at this level. And so any opportunity we have to peel back the curtain, to invite new people in, like that is ultimately how horses continue. It's how our associations continue. And again, I just want to give a shout out to like a lot of the amateurs who are putting it together with six jobs and like a piece of paper, like a paper clip, because a lot of folks can't show at as many shows or as often or rigorously as they'd like to, to be in the national standings because of money. And right. so, you know, what's $200 to a trainer? Nothing. What's $200 to an amateur who works two jobs so that she can show at four shows a year? It's probably another show. Yeah, you that's know? a stall at least. Yeah, so there, there's real gain for everybody for more of us to be showing, you know, and a little, I don't think it's, I, I don't, I don't think it hurts us. And I think if anything, it could be a real boon. Okay, let's play the devil's advocate though. I hate the devil. <laughs> Go ahead, go ahead. All right, let's do it. What what would be the reason that APHA would not pass this rule? Well, you know, I've, I've, there's been a ton of rules like this that seem like real no-brainers, and then they get up there and they don't pass. And I think sometimes um, what I've heard in the past is that people want more provision. They want more clarity in the rule. So mm -hmm. what does it mean to be sponsored? Is it is it like someone could be sponsored $100,000, or maybe it's only like... $12,000 a year and that that money might make a difference. Um, I could imagine some people want more like clarification about what then makes you an amateur. You have to be, sh if you're going to receive the goods, then you are showing six shows out of the year or something that makes it good for the association. A lot of people get cars. But I think that's a relationship between the amateur and the brand. How many shows or how much you're going to post, how much you're going to use, whatever. You're going to talk about this product. Yeah. That is it. The amount of shows that you go to doesn't make you an amateur. Doesn't, but I do agree uh, that there's a though. clarity level. I mean, also, like, a lot of people can hold an amateur card. Like, you can you can buy that card and never show. I think, you know, my hope is that the amateurs who are going to get these brands and do this work aren't just going to be card-carrying amateurs. They're going to actually be going to shows. And, I mean, if there's an opportunity for, for folks to do that with more support, that feels real, real and needed. I do hear that, so convention happens in February. It's coming up actually really soon. Um, so it's really timely that we're talking about this. Um, the convention process has members, delegates from every state voting or every zone um, and every state kind of coming in and, and casting their votes. And frankly, the directors who vote, they've been all over the place. It's really unclear what they're going to do. And, mm -hmm. and everybody kind of gets, I, I've seen people polling their communities, their kind of horse community about what they want to do. But ultimately those directors are going to decide. And yeah, I don't know if we have, I don't, it doesn't sound to me like there's agreement there. Like it's not clear to me this is going to pass, even though it makes, it's like a no brainer to me. Everything I've read online, I mean, I think Go Magazine did mm -hmm. an article on it with trainers and 
maybe amateurs in there, everything I read on threads about people posting about it, it really seems like it's split pretty close down the middle of people for or against it. Sorry, turned off for a second. So our friend Katie, who rides in APHA and is also an amateur, posted this on her Facebook back in November when the discussion seemed to really start taking a rise. And we thought it would be interesting to read some of these comments that are for or against this rule change. Okay, so one is from someone and it says, <clears throat> the issue I have is that sponsorships are going to go to the elite competitors, which honestly are the ones who don't need the help to show and can afford tack. Rarely are you going to see those who really need it receive it. Another one says, I do not think an amateur should be paid for writing. That makes no difference than, a, than an assistant. However, I think being paid for grooming or any other kind of help would be a good thing. So there's that. I never, another one says, I never understood why AMS can't receive donations or sponsorship. Like if a gal with her own small business wants to give me tail bags in return for my promotion on social media or at a show, why not? I've also always felt the groom rule was ridiculous. AMS can, cha can charge for banding, braiding, no issue, but not to be paid as a groom? All right, AMS, let's break these apart a little bit and then try and get into what folks are saying. Yeah, I mean, the idea that an, a person can be considered an amateur if they're not receiving payment for things to help get them to the show, like this lady said, banding and braiding, and that is okay, but if they go work for a trainer and are just lunging horses, they're just, you know, doing a normal job, really, brushing, grooming, whatever, stall cleaning, and somehow because they're for a trainer, that might make them ineligible to be an amateur. I mean, that seems like a very small line and kind of ridiculous, actually. I mean, especially in, I mean, for those of you who don't know, I mean, getting help at a barn is so hard. It's, it's so hard, <laughs> right? Especially in 2022. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally the hardest job in the world to keep people around who want to feed and clean stalls. I mean, listen, it's backbreaking work. a glorious work. job. It is not. It's backbreaking work. It's super time consuming. It's early in the morning, late at night. Um, and then, you know, if you are working as an assistant, which, you know, is different, um, you're riding horses. We're talking about grooming. So we're not talking about necessarily riding the horse. I'll go, I guess that could be a thing if you're an amateur, but these are not unpaid jobs. Nobody, nobody anymore gets to shovel yeah. their stall for board or training. That's long gone friends. Nobody, nobody does that. Um, and so this rule could potentially, if the rule change happens, it potentially does open up space for amateurs to consider being paid to be grooms and to support trainers. But I don't know that we think that's a bad thing, given how hard it is to get staff to support a barn, a show barn, yeah. especially where we're on the road and we're, you know, you could have 20, 20 horses in your, in your barn and every single one of them needs to look like a million dollars. Um, and I think more importantly, just acknowledging that amateurs need work. Like we, this is such an expensive sport yeah. for people. People are, are mostly actually not elite riders. Most of us are not getting the, the big companies to come and support us. And so every dollar makes a difference. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And anything that's going to limit that for just doing what you can, that seems very limiting to the growth of the association. I mean, we're not 
even tackling the idea of amateurs getting paid to ride or teach or anything like that. We're talking about amateurs are already doing something. They have a platform, they have connections, they have a community, and they're trying to involve that. And whatever they've done, the connections they've made, they want to be, you know, financially supported in that and enable them to do the thing that they love the most. So I, Why would we not? Listen, I'm on here. I'm listening to you, but also reading this post. I found a wild style <laughs> comment. I have okay, to read let's this. See it's it. so crazy. Um, it's crazy because it's wild. In my opinion, allowing amateurs to take on sponsorships or donations opens up an entire can of worms. I can see why it's not allowed. First, allowing amateurs who are oftentimes wealthy and don't need them to begin with takes away from sponsorships from trainers who are the pillars of the industry and oftentimes are in the industry for love of the sport and not the opportunity to become wealthy. This is a sport in which many strive to break even. I want to pause here. There's a lot being said mm -hmm. here, and I think we just need to take apart this first Dissect one. Dissect this one. Hello. Right first, allowing amateurs who are oftentimes wealthy and do not need them to begin with takes away from sponsorships from trainers. I really don't know that many wealthy amateurs <laughs> that are showing, honestly. No! And I sure don't know any amateurs that are in competition with trainers. Exactly nobody. To be able to do this. Exactly not one person. No. It, no. That's not a real thing. First of all, friend, No. Um, I think the whole idea that show, because I think Western pleasure is so blingy and we got the saddle and, you know, we have all of these beautiful horses, you know, I think people lie about how much their horses are worth. I mean, certainly people are riding expensive, beautiful horses, but most people are riding kind of average horses, average for any other sport, I would say a barrel racing horse or some other kind of, of horse. Um, you know, and the people who are riding them, like that's their money. When people ask me where my money is, I just show them all my horse things. Like that's <laughs> where my, my money went on my horses. Um, so this idea that people who are riding, most amateurs are wealthy is just, that's just not true. Most of the amateurs that we show with are working, working class. Um, people may have, I think a lot of our, our association is a little bit older. So women in my age, I'm in my, I'm 43, about to be 44. You know, certainly I have a career and I have a job and I have disposable income, but there are also a lot of young women, more in your age range, Emily, who are riding and working three jobs and like putting it together literally on a shoestring budget. Um, and this comment, it just doesn't show them respect, the respect they deserve. Um, I also think this idea that we're taking, we've already tackled, that we're, we're not taking away sponsorships from trainers. Um, and I think the idea that only trainers love the sport is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I've been doing this my entire life, pretty much. I mean, at least 25 years. Yeah. And you know, like th I, I actually, there was somebody else on the, on the, on the Facebook who said, don't ever forget amateurs are the ones who make this industry. And it's a hundred percent true. The trainers are amazing mm -hmm. and they have been doing this for a hundred years and they should have respect for that. The amateurs are the ones who come in, we buy the things yeah. we have, you know, we get the grain, we buy the horses we are putting and keeping frankly, this industry alive. Um, trainers certainly are holding yeah. that legacy and that work, but we are a hundred percent the financial engine. for We that. are financially supporting, like this is our passion. That's right. And we're dishing out money to pursue our passion. Trainers, like you said, to echo that we're not discounting what they do, no. of course, but they're doing it because it's their job where amateurs have a job and still do this. So it takes a lot to 
be able to hold room for both of them. Yeah. I mean, this just gets crazier and crazier. I'm going to read one more section um, and we can just see. It says, I also could see the donations aspect being st stretched as well, such as an quote unquote amateur expect accepting quote unquote donations in a way of invading professional or open status. And so basically this comment is trying to say that you could get something, uh, a good, a service that would push you into a training league. That's just not true. The thing that makes you a trainer is that you can train horses and you get mm. paid to do it. Like, right. that's that's the definition of a trainer. And to be a trainer, I mean, you have to prove that you're good enough to be a trainer. I mean, sure, I could say, hey, I'm a trainer, guys. And who's going to send their horse to me? Because <laughs> I don't know anything about training horses, really. So it's like any any industry, right? You have to be able to support like with your skill, what you say you're doing as a profession. Right. I mean, and, and I think they're, and I just think they're different things. Listen, I love the professionalization of every industry. You know, I, I love my trainer. I feel like a good trainer is going to give your horse good nutrition, good conditioning, good training. And, and frankly, at our level, you know, there's a lot of trainers who can train and they can't coach. They're not good with people or a lot of people can coach, but they can't train a horse. And, and so, you know, finding a great trainer who kind of has the best of all the worlds is hard to find. And, and to be honest, those aren't necessarily the trainers who are getting the sponsorships. Sponsorships are based on relationship, who wins something one year, doesn't win another. Um, and that kind of sponsorship in our industry, that kind of fickleness, I think actually hurts us over time. Mm. Where amateurs can come in and be the face of a brand or part of a brand for a year or two and then move on or move up um, and, and get a different kind of exposure um, and I think for, our, for, our, for our industry. To branch off of what you're saying, I think amateurs have that flexibility to uh, to say, hey, this is the ups and downs of this industry. This is the good and the bad where I think professionals, trainers, if they're supported by a brand, they kind of have to stay at the top. And yeah. brands aren't going to love that you're going to have days where you don't win, where amateurs, they can be supported by a brand and say, hey, this is a real part of showing horses there's so many more days where you don't do well than win right mostly you lose and sometimes you win mm -hmm. one of our friends Kenneth Slater says that she she won the world championship in western pleasure last year on her amazing horse lineup for candy um I, I think I mean I think about some of the barrel rate some of the more like gaming professionals and you know you'll see them come in one year and they'll have a beautiful trailer and they come in and they're top of the game and they come out that season and you can watch their trailer getting hauled away it's it's kind of sad to see those high-end professionals like lose their sponsorships when they have a bad season you know for amateurs like it's given that you're probably going to mostly you know you might you might be on the rise and have some good shows and get some good calls and maybe you'll win but I think amateurs are in it for the long haul. We are not just chasing the one. No, you know, nobody ever comes, wins their one world title and doesn't come back. That's just not really the story of people who are competing at our level. And so it feels a little dismissive to say like somehow, not, you know, amateurs are not as serious or as committed as professionals. I would also like to talk about the fact that there are for charities. 
for charities at these horse shows that are labeled non-pro and the association gives money right to these amateurs right so how is that okay right when the association gives the amateurs money but brands can't that's a good point you're not wrong i'm gonna pop this wine so you can hold or we can keep going you're gonna let it keep going i love that you're raising the futurity question i mean big money people making you know between a thousand and fifteen thousand dollars at any given show you know in the non-pro division told absolutely i mean what's so interesting is do you remember last year i think it's 2021 WEC, the the western no the WEC. what the is world it? equestrian oh center. yeah you're so much better than me <laughs> the world equestrian center also known as WEC, held um an aqha show and they had this sort well, of like it was a championship it was a i think it was horsemanship it wasn't championship. just aqha there were paints showing oh, there i didn't know that yeah it was both breeds it was a huge thing so they had this it, it was it was the horsemanship championship and you could win fifteen thousand dollars mm-hmm. and and a um, truck and a truck and this young woman won she's in the 14 8 to 18 division for horsemanship she won a truck a ram well, like a legit 350 at the world show a you can win a trailer for being this super horse or something at the APHA world show. It's super wild because for I mean, it seems like a lot of double standards, yeah, right? For associations to be able to say and then bring sponsors in who give these things to amateurs. I mean, we're all amateurs and we're the ones winning the prizes. Um, it does feel like a slippery slope. And for the associations to be able to pick and choose when and who gets to have those deals. That just doesn't seem right. I mean, listen, there's no question. February is going to be wild style. Whatever they come out with, we're going to abide by. We've been abiding by their rules. We have, we're rule abiders. Um, but we definitely hope that, you know, if you have an opinion about this, you speak up, you get on some of these conversations that are happening, jump in a thread um, and share your comments. You can also share them below right here and tell us what you think about whether or not AM should be sponsored yeah, or paid. This is happening real soon and the directors are going to go and vote. And this is going to affect us next year. 2023, it could be a different game. I sure hope it is. It (laughs) could. I think we have talked about the majority of the points for and against this. It's pretty clear. Esperanza and I are in support of this rule change. (laughs) For sure. So we haven't made that clear. Let's just say it for the record. 100%. We support it. Vote for it. And hopefully the directors support it mm-hmm. at the convention next month we are going to do this podcast bi-weekly we would love to hear your feedback your potential topics that you would like us to discuss and if you just want to learn more about esperanza and i and our journeys we are both very active on social media you can find me at 17 hands fit and you can find me at riding underscore two underscore win on the Instagram and the Facebooks. We look forward to hearing from you and thanks so much for tuning in today and we hope you learned it. Sending a lot of love from the Cowgirl Hour.